Long days and pleasant nights. Okay, so this is a kind of a neat occasion. This uh, this week's guest is Julia Sears. Um, I don't know Julia personally. This is the first guest that I I've not known personally. Um, my friend Alex Spieth, uh, she runs a blog and and a web series called Blank My Life. It's the web series. Go watch it. It's very funny and it's very good. Um, it's hilarious and exquisite. I just watched Dead Poets, so I'm trying to get rid of very out of my vocabulary as much as possible. But anyway, uh, I don't know. This is recorded before Julia shows up um, to my house, which I asked her to do, and she doesn't know me at all. And God bless her for trusting me. Um, but yeah, uh, <clears throat> this marks the first occasion of like of someone that I don't know personally coming on the program, and I'm very excited about it. A little nervous too, but uh, it should be a good time. Um, as always, please rate, subscribe, write a review, tell your friends, tell your mother, even though I cuss a bunch, gosh darn it, I sure do. My mom listens to it, and she forgives me for it, so I think if she can, your mom probably can too, though your mom probably loves me more than my mom loves me. No, that's not true. I had a lovely conversation with her this morning, and, and we both love each other very much, but not in a weird Greek way where I have to pluck out my own eyes, but... Anyway, um, please, uh, just tell people, like, I don't care if you, you give me money or not or anything, but just, like, please let people know, because I really, I do, um, believe in this thing that I'm selling, as it were. I think it's a good podcast and a good program, and I'd really appreciate all y'all telling your friends about it, and I do believe it is worth something and, and kind of entertaining. Um... Another news. I'm uh, what uh, I'm. I'm participating in NaNoWriMo this year, which is National Novel Writing Month, which is the um, month of November. So hopefully, I will complete a book by the end of the month. I have an idea, and and it'll probably if I do uh, 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 pull Jeff Goldblum right now. If I if I do now, listen to this. Now I have a secret for you. That's how he's so engaging. He has a secret for everybody. Um, now, uh, if I complete it and everything, um, on time, it should be available around the first, um, month of this upcoming year, January 2017, which I'm very excited about. Um, and in the meantime, I have a couple other literary projects, hopefully that I'll be able to publish by myself. So look for those, um, coming out. Uh, also bad news, um, officially... Smuggle Buddies is done, which was my um, Star Wars role-playing podcast. There's four episodes if you want to go listen to it. We'll never complete the campaign. Uh, Miles and I moved house, so Colby isn't readily available, and it's just it's gotten to a point where um, we're just... we, we I can't work it out scheduling-wise, so I'm going to try and bump these up to more frequently to fill that void. Um, also... Miles and I are starting a new podcast project called Extreme Gutbusters. It's a review program for Extreme Ghostbusters, a cartoon series that was done in the 90s. Um, it's a comedy podcast, and I do a bunch of like weird, crazy characters for it. And so have a go at that if you're so inclined. And um, uh, um, So please listen to that. It's a comedy podcast. Hopefully it'll be pretty good. Um, I do a bunch of characters, and Miles is funny as always um and then i'm also starting 
another project that I'll drop on you, and that'll also start at the beginning of the year if I can get those details in line. That's right. It's always a little bit of Wolfman Jack with me when these things. Um, but I just thought I'd share some upcoming things with you. Um, I'm very pleased and excited that with some stuff going on in my life and I'm in a good place so don't worry about me mom and dad and Krista and Molly or Molly doesn't listen to this she can't she doesn't listen to the podcast not because uh, she doesn't want to but because she just doesn't like podcasts she doesn't like audiobooks either there's something about it that bugs bugs her which is fine um she didn't even listen to the ones that she's the only guest I'm sure that hasn't listened to her own episode and she had two so like yeah whatever um, it's fine. It's, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, hopefully I'll be bumping these up more regularly. Thank you for listening as always, and I'm gonna stop talking for five minutes. Um, also, if you want to go to YouTube and look at my stand-up, I'm gonna start putting up more stand-up stuff if I can, because I want to get back into that scene. I'm working on a one-man show that I hope to tour this summer, so I'll keep you guys updated on that. And please... Enjoy listening to Julia Sears, and I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. It's exciting. I'm excited. Are you excited? We're all fine here. Uh, situation normal. We're all fine here. How are you? I got really loud at the end. I'm sorry. Because I'm used to doing Harrison right about here. Um, so I choked up on the mic. and uh, it, uh, uh, Listen to the thing. Like, Virginia is a swing state if you go either red or blue, but uh -huh. a battleground state is, like, where the electoral votes count for more. So, like, okay. North Carolina is a really big deal because if you win North Carolina, you get more electoral votes. That so makes sense. That's why it's a battleground state. I don't know. if I, I know at some point someone explained the electoral clause. We're going, by the way. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, um, I'm sneaky like that. Um, learn from the best. That is to say Chris Hardwick. But, um... <laughs> But I don't, I, at some point someone did explain the Electoral College to me, but I don't remember it. Can you, you're, you seem like a responsible person. Can you explain that to me, please? I don't know if I can explain it. Okay. I know that states, it's like the population of states equal a certain amount of votes and uh -huh. different states have different amount of electoral votes. And Maggie's going to hear this and she's going to be so disappointed <laughs> that you don't understand. But I have already voted uh -huh. and have been registered to vote since I could be. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, that's, as, that's as much as I got. Where do you where do you go to early vote? Because like, I need to get so on So I that. did absentee in Virginia. Oh, I see. Because it's a swing state. So. That's, that's clever. That's where I'm from. So, so you're from Virginia. I'm from Virginia. Well, I'm from a lot of places, technically. Because I was born in San Francisco. Oh. I'm actually an earthquake baby. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, uh, the 89 earthquake, and then uh -huh. nine months later, a bunch of children were born. Funny uh, thing about that. Myself included, and mm -hmm. one of my college roommates. Mm -hmm. She's also an earthquake baby. Um, and then I grew up in D.C., Virginia, mm -hmm. and then um, have been sort of hopping coast to coast since then. Yeah? Yeah. So you've lived out in California as well? Um, I lived in Seattle, actually. Oh. I was still in Seattle. Okay, yes. Um, I went to your website and read about you. Because okay. so you, you, this is the most preparation I've done for an interview, oh, and it's still not a lot. Um, 
my fancy website. Uh huh. Um, it looks great, by the way. It, it is. It, it's, it's that sounded sarcastic, but it, it's like not. It's yep. a pretty fancy website. <laughs> <laughs> it made me deeply regret choosing Wix over Squarespace. I used to have Wix, mm -hmm. and I finally just couldn't take it anymore, and so I switched to Squarespace and like lost my domain name. But now I still it's. I do also like that uh, yours is a dot org. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you manage that, but I love it. Um, well, I used to have the .com, the JuliaSears.com, um, mm -hmm. but that was on the Wix site, and yeah. um, I tried to transfer it over, and it turns out it's, like, nigh impossible yeah. to get your domain away from Wix and onto Squarespace. Oh, good. So I just, I just went with um, .org because it was available, and I like to think of myself as an organization of one. So. For sure. <laughs> I would love to get .edu or .gov if yes. I could. Oh, I bet you could. <laughs> yeah, just like, why not? I think uh, .gov Co. is like, mm -hmm. that's that's just so, waiting to happen. .co.uk, yeah. Uh-huh, exactly. Why not lie? Just pretend like I have a very good American accent. Yeah. So, uh, raised in Virginia, then? Raised in Virginia, yeah, right okay. outside D.C. Okay, and um, what school did you go to in Washington? Um, Seattle, Washington, yeah. or... DC Both. Why not? <laughs> um, so in Washington, D.C., I went to um, uh, T.C. Williams, which is the home of the Titans, if you've seen the movie, Remember the Titans. I, yes. And uh, and then I went to Emerson Preparatory School okay. Institute, um, which is, yeah, I know. Uh, it's a college prep school um, where, like, a lot of diplomats, kids, and... Um, and exchange students go because you do it on a college schedule so you can graduate early. Oh, that's so nice. I actually graduated high school early and went and worked in theater in Baltimore and then um, and then I went to University of Washington in Seattle. Okay. From Washington to Washington. Washington I was actually Washington. born on Washington Street, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just like the And you only use one dollar bills as well? One dollar bills and quarters and that's it. Yes. Okay. And uh, I, I'm taking it as a sign that one day I'm going to get to meet Chris Jackson, the guy who plays Washington and Hamilton. Yep. I hope um, so. I really hope so because I think he's a beautiful God. <laughs> yes. I, I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I saw the show and, uh, I saw it with Maggie who's working in North yeah. Carolina and, um, she like, he came out on stage and she hadn't listened to the music. She's not a theater person per se, although uh -huh. she's becoming one. Um, well, osmosis, I assume. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and I started like hitting my face, <laughs> like, it's Chris Jackson, it's Chris Jackson. And she was like, I don't know who that is. Like, just, I'm trying to pay attention. They're talking so fast. She's like, I'm so sorry, buddy. <laughs> she's like, you need to tell me if you're going to cry. I was like, oh, I'm going to cry the whole time. Oh, whole thing. Cry whole for thing. the whole three hours. Even like, the happy parts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. King it's George comes out, tears. Just like, oh my god, it's Jonathan yeah. Groff. Like, yeah. ugh, I saw his buttons for awakening. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you're a, you're a director. I'm a director. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> what made you choose that over other things? Um, it was sort of a natural uh, process, because I, I trained to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I started acting when I was like 14, 15 years old, um, and I actually founded a theater company in D.C., um, for young artists who wanted to do Shakespeare because I'm a huge nerd. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, ran the company, but I never, I didn't direct for the company. I was only acting in it, but mm -hmm. the co-founder, Elizabeth Nearing, um, and, uh, she would, she would direct, um, most of the shows, uh, and I learned a lot from watching her because she knew from, you know, age 13, 14 that she wanted to direct. Um, and... Yeah, so I, I was mostly just acting, and then um, essentially in college, I was in a, a leadership position within my undergraduate theater because, like, 
I'm the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I realized that I and I'd done some assistant directing, and I realized that I really wanted to direct a show, and so I did Romeo and Juliet because, like, why not? Yeah. And um, it was great, and I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I kept acting for a while, and I acted a little bit out of school, but I, I basically just realized that, like, that kind of um, use of your creative brain is just really, it really, really works for me. Um, I think acting is very difficult for a different reason. Yeah. Uh, and I, lo- I, you know, I love it, and I miss it sometimes, but really not that much. <laughs> like, I can eat whatever I want. So yeah. I'm pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... I, yeah, I, I mean, just having to see, like, the big picture and really getting to, like, dream and vision what you're going to share with an audience and then also the control that you have as a director of picking who who you get to hire, um, you know, what plays you work on. There's just a lot more um, agency, I feel, um, especially for a young artist Absolutely. as a director. So that's, that's, it's a good fit for me. It's, yeah. you know. It's about like reading people and empathy, but also leadership and making decisions, and those are all things that I like to exercise. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's that's good. Um, we need more people like that. I remember um, when I was I just got in college, and this this guy I knew in high school was like, I want to be a, a I really like he he'd been doing acting with me for a while, mm-hmm. and I was he's like, I really want to be a camera operator. I want to be a DP. And like, is that okay? And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, we need people who want to do that. <laughs> Otherwise, it's all just a bunch of actors, and they're like, uh, who's making the script, and who's telling me what to do? Who's in charge? Yeah, Who please. Who's in charge of this? Uh, it's like a bunch of kindergartners going out on a field trip with no teacher. Ugh. Yeah, I like to think of it as, like, uh, you know, it's a little herding cats yep. sometimes. A little bit. But they're such... Fr- I love cats. So yeah. Like, I'm fine <laughs> with it. It's all good for me. <laughs> yeah, it is the thing of, like, um, there's nothing... I used to say there's nothing worse than bored actors, mm-hmm. and there is. It's bored waiters, because 80% of them are actors so like it's doubly and because they're also at work not doing something doing something they don't want to do and then there's that 20 percent who aren't actors that are just like what the hell is going on <laughs> why is he doing a popeye impression that's not relevant anymore <laughs> like you're like that is a very very outdated yeah <laughs> okay spinach artichoke dip i get it but shut up <laughs> um, oh, that's funny <laughs> so um you're you're working on a, a play about uh women in the military yes. right yeah uh, t- Go. Go. Okay, yeah. let's see. Can I do my stump speech? Um, so I'm so I'm working on a, a devised piece, which means it's written by a bunch of different people. It's mm-hmm. not just one playwright. So I'm writing it. The actors that are in it are writing it. Uh, Maggie, the co-creator, who is my best friend, who lives two blocks away from me and is currently trying to get Hillary elected, she is also writing it. Um, <laughs> that seems consistent with her. The little snapshot that I have of her, everything you've said makes sense. Yes, okay, great. Continue. So I'm glad. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, and so it is about um, the inclusion of women into combat roles in the U.S. military. So um, because we live in a world with borderless wars, women have been uh, serving in combat roles in the military for forever. Yeah. Uh, but especially in the last two decades where there's not really a place that, you know, the Army or the military, Army, Navy, whoever, whatever branch it is in the military, they go and they retreat and then they go out and they fight. It's, um, you know, it's yeah. everywhere. So you can be, essentially women have been... Um, Female soldiers and female uh, uh, military members have been, quote-unquote, attached to combat missions, but not, um, quote-unquote, assigned to them. Okay. So there's been this big loophole where women essentially have been serving in combat roles, but haven't been officially recognized for it. Okay. Um, 
until uh, December 3rd, 2015. So uh, despite the fact that there are um, 1,950,000 female veterans, uh, recognized veterans in the United States, mm -hmm. um, their uh, official inclusion into all branches of the military, all jobs within the military was 10 months ago. Nice. So, yeah. Um, and the, the exclusion was something that was, um, it was a loophole, but it's also a very dangerous loophole because um, because women were not officially included in combat roles, they weren't given uh, appropriate gear. So, like, you know, like, uh, if uh, you're wearing a bulletproof vest and yeah. it's fitted for the typical body type of a male soldier and you're a female soldier that, yeah. you know, couldn't very well leave, like, your heart and lungs and throat exposed to bullets and shrapnel. Uh -huh. um, and then also uh, women uh, were not necessarily getting the same training that men were going into combat zones and they also weren't necessarily getting um, the same recognition and promotion um, as the men who were able to do those jobs before. So, all of that is to say, we're writing a play about it. Yeah. Because uh, I think it's very interesting, and I think that it's really a microcosm of, of a larger issue that, uh, you know, Americans have with women and how we perceive them. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's been a really incredible process. It's based on interviews with veterans and service members. We have two veterans who are actors in the cast. Wow. Um, two female veterans. Um, and... Uh, it's been, it's, you know, it's not anywhere near done, but it's, yeah. uh, we've been working on it since March and it's, um, it's funny cause it's a very political and very like relevant current topic, but it's going to be a very fantastical play Okay. because my style that I like to work in is, is, you know, heightened language and movement and music mm -hmm. and, and just sort of like the magic and spectacle of theater. Yeah. So we're basically tricking people into talking about a really serious issue. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of my, yeah, that's think, my goal. <laughs> well, I think that's what art does the best is like using metaphor to actually discuss things. And, yeah. um, even though I'm not a huge fan of allegory when it's a one-to-one, -one, but <laughs> I just get that from, because of but um it is a good thing to do um when when's it premiering what do you can people see it people can see it um <laughs> when it's done okay uh, we're we're hoping to premiere it in either the spring or the summer of 2017 all right so not in too long um but you can follow along the progress of it um there's a website wecryhavoc.com it's called we cry havoc i should have said that at yeah. the beginning um and uh we do we do little showings we actually just did a reading this last weekend um with uh, Clutch Productions, which okay. is a, an organization that uh, works to lift up the work of, of women, so female directors, mm -hmm. playwrights, actors, designers, like top to bottom. Wonderful. Ladies everywhere. It was great. Wonderful. Um, and uh, so we showed a little 15-minute excerpt mm -hmm. there, and we're doing something in November as well. Mm -hmm. So there's there's things that we're, we're really trying to, unlike some device pieces where you go and you make it in in a corner and then yeah. you show it to an audience, which I think is terrifying. We're, we're like yeah. showing things every step of the way. And that feedback and that conversation with um, the audiences that we've been able to share uh, the bits and pieces with have been like so valuable. So, yeah. <laughs> so helpful. Good. Just the things that have led to the most useful things in the play now have come from audience reactions of like, wait a second, what's the women, what's the combat band exclusion? Yep. That's not the right term. My my dramaturg's gonna yell at me. Uh, well, that's fine. Yeah, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it is. The, have you seen um, Adam Driver's Arms in the Art, uh, Arts in the Arms, Arms Forces? Forces? Yeah. I, I haven't yet, but um, my team and I are going to their annual gala That's in November, excellent. and excellent. we're really, really excited. Yeah. Um, I think that what they're doing is incredibly important and wonderful, and mm-hmm. you know, definitely in line with what we're doing. But it's yeah. it's sort of it's a little bit of a different flavor because it's about bringing um, art to uh, all different branches of the military sort of like on bases and wherever they are yeah. um, and ours is very much about like bringing the stories of uh, of the military and women in the military yeah. um, into civilian spaces and, and sort of like going in that direction so because we don't really talk about women in the military at all and then no if at all like because when you say picture a veteran i think of a, an old dude that looks like stan lee <laughs> like that's where i'm at and it is also the thing of um we kind of really separate armed forces and then also arts at all times because like i know because you don't you think oh people who are military minded don't go into the arts and that sort of thing but my roommate was an ex um was an uh, army ranger mm, which wow. was fascinating to live with yeah because i'm like five foot seven probably i'm probably lying myself when i say i'm five foot nine <laughs> um and like slight and so he would like physically like just pick me up for fun uh, <laughs> but like he really loved acting and he really wanted to do it and it's the thing of like we don't think that there of course there are people that are artistically inclined in the military and i think it goes unnoticed too much so yeah. i think that's a really cool thing you're doing also like obviously women are good they're we're mostly women as a as a species so uh-huh. can we like <laughs> for the love of god just let let us do everything yeah well yeah <laughs> yeah well not everything but let you know because we don't want to put all the responsibility on right it. yeah right <laughs> more like you know if a woman is qualified for a job mm-hmm. there should be no reason that she should not get that job and yep. get exactly what a male identifying person that job would get yep so that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, Tim Burton, it, this is kind of like we're talking about res- representation now a little bit, I guess. Um, Tim Burton said this really dumb thing about uh, why there are no black people in his movies. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. It was that's like, it's like, I, well, I do it when the script calls for it. I'm like, it could literally call for it in any of these roles that you've written. Yeah. The Mad Hatter does not need to be Johnny Depp again. No. A, because, like, let's not have, let's not, um, you know, what is the word? Reward uh, abusive behavior with multi-million dollar contracts. That's fair. Yeah, I saw that, and I was, like, 0% surprised. Yeah. Because I think that that is a very pervasive attitude of um, a certain... I guess, like, class of artists or, like, generation of artists or, um, but sort of, like, what, but why? Mm -hmm. Like, the sort of, like, white is the, is neutral attitude, which I think is very, very incorrect and doesn't really reflect, uh, the world we live in (laughs) at all. Um. Admittedly, though, Tim Burton is, like, the Tyler Perry of white people. (laughs) <laughs> like he does make white people movies. He does. Yeah, like he does. very much so. But he's also like uh, not very, not the best in my opinion. He's a visual artist and he's very good at that bit of it. But like, anyway. Um, but uh, crux of the matter, why you're here? Yeah. Um, you wrote this really wonderful article, I think, for um, yeah. Uh, blank my life, uh, the the companion blog for that. Go watch it. I already plugged it at the beginning of this thing. Um, but uh, where you talk about dealing with anxiety and depression and dating. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, do you want to sum up that article or tell them where to read it? Or Sure. Um, so I guess this, the summation of the article is that I wanted to write about mental health. Yeah. And there's a lot of angles to take on it. Um, obviously. And it's well, as long that... as they're not obtuse. Sorry. Can you... Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not an abstract concept. It's a thing that, uh, 3.3 Americans live with depression every single day, yep. myself included. Um, and yeah, so I, I wanted to write about it, but I also am sort of on a, um, in, in my writing lately, I'm trying to not be sort of self-indulgent or like, um, uh, you know, self sacrifice or or be like, look at all my pain. Isn't yeah. It? Like, just look at it and appreciate <laughs> it and see it. So I want to do something that was a little bit more funny a little bit later. Yeah. Um, to deal with this really uh, scary and serious issue, uh, mostly because the way that I cope a lot with my um, mental illness is through humor. Oh, yeah. Um, with, when I talk about it with my friends, and part of it is, like, it's not about like this a little bit, but also yeah, yeah. it does make it something that is able to be discussed, and yeah. so even if, um, even if it starts with joking and, and mm -hmm. defense mechanism, if you're open about the things that are chemically imbalanced in your brain or the things that you're struggling with, then it does sort of give, like, a little bit of a door for the people who, in your life, who you care about and who care about you to to be like, oh, but let's actually talk yeah. about that. Are you actually feeling okay? <laughs> like, let's let's go ahead and just dive deep. Yes, it's the third um, time you've made a killing yourself joke. What's going on, bud? Let's talk. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I wrote this article. It's um. It's called "Love Is Merely a Madness: mm -hmm. uh, A Dating Guide from the Mentally Ill," mm -hmm. where essentially I translated the lessons that I've learned in my recovery and treatment for my depression and anxiety into advice about dating in New York, mm -hmm. uh, because dating in New York is the living worst. Yes. Uh, and depression and anxiety are also the living <laughs> yes. worst. Yes. And so I figured, why not just put them together? Yep. Um. So <laughs> it was. It was. Uh. I wrote it in a day uh -huh. and I'd been avoiding writing it for, for <laughs> because like you were anxious weeks. about it because I was anxious about uh -huh. it and also because I didn't know what angle I was going to take and when I had this idea I essentially was like great that's what I'm doing so I sat mm -hmm. down and I wrote it um and got feedback uh from a couple people before I sent it to Alex to get published but mm -hmm. um it was really it was really nerve-wracking mm -hmm. um writing it was fine and getting people to review it was fine yeah uh, and then I sent it to Alex and I was, mm -hmm. I essentially had a moment of like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> like what did I do? Um, partially because I'm, I'm very open with everyone in my life about yeah. my, um, my mental illnesses, but, uh, there are people on the internet who are, who are not mm -hmm. necessarily in my life and yep. who can, you know, will hear this and can read that and mm -hmm. maybe they don't, oh sorry, it's my, my mom's calling me. Sorry. Um, people who might not know this about me, and mm -hmm. now they can Google yeah. it. Um, even though, honestly, it's like if you've talked to me for two seconds, then yeah, it comes up. Um, but also, I was just thinking about it professionally. Mm -hmm. um, the work that I do as a director, um, I'm very open in the spaces that I lead um, about self care yeah. and um, and sort of taking taking care of oneself in order to take care of the room. Um, and so it's not it's not so much that it's like new information, but it is something that it feels like now that it's out there written down somewhere, mm -hmm. not just like on 
hospital records. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> that it's like now part of my brand. Yeah. Um, which is, I, so I got really nervous and then I was like, fuck it. Yeah. Because that, it's like, that's a part of yeah. my life. It's always going to be a part of my life. So like, fuck it. Yeah. I had the exact same thought process when I started doing this is like, well, oh man, do I want to be, because it is specifically, uh, what I have is a, a little bit more severe, so people, like, you want to be known as a crazy person, mm -hmm. and it's one of those things of, like, well, you know, if you are, you kind of just have to accept that about yourself and ask others to just be like, okay, if, as long as you're a good person, it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. what kind of person you are. Um, there was something I was going to say. It's gone forever. Um, <laughs> how do you know Alex? Um, so I met Alex um, because my uh, best friend Elizabeth Nearing, mm -hmm. who I ran a theater company with, yes. um, she went to Carnegie Mellon with Alex. Oh, very good. And um, I met her because they were doing a fringe show together, and Elizabeth was understaffed, and I um, owe her eight million favors. So mm -hmm. I came in and helped for the last week that they were there, and got to see the show and get to know the people on it. And Alex was one of them, and I just. I just was instantly in love with her because mm -hmm. she is very unique and um, and very, very much herself. Yes. And I find that really exciting to yeah. be around. So Agreed. Yeah. Is it Fringe the best, though? <laughs> is it? I like it a lot. Uh, okay. Uh, what ones have you done? So I, I guess I can't really talk because I've only done... That's the only New York Fringe thing that I've helped with. Okay. Um, I've done DC Fringe, and I've been to the Edinburgh Fringe many times. Okay. Um, and, like, some of it is the best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's the, it's high-stakes gambling with theater. Yes. Yeah, it's either, it's the best and the worst, and that's yes. why I love it. It's, oh, it's, it's just so extreme. Um, the, I've, I've done Kansas City. Was that me? That was probably me. That was me. Nice. Um, so... Uh, I've done Minneapolis and Kansas City, and Kansas City had the worst piece of theater I've ever seen, <laughs> and also one of the best, which was mine. No, um, uh, and it's, it is just that beautiful dichotomy of everything. Mm -hmm. um, I, do you think that, um, well, when did uh, this, the symptoms of, of anxiety and depression start showing up? Has it been since you were, like, a young person, or are they more recent, or? Um, so... A uh, young person, I would say, is when it started showing up. I would say, I think, like, I kind of don't know, but okay. I think, like, 12, 13. Right on. Um, so it's something that has sort of waxed and waned over the course of my life. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and obviously, when things are really difficult, yeah, that arises and sort of uh, takes hold of your brain, yeah. like the evil monster that it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been something that I've been dealing with for a really really long time, especially like even even before I had terms for it and you know yeah. knew, knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you think that influenced your decision to go into the arts? Um, I guess it did tangentially. Mm -hmm. I think I think that like I was uh, I got really into theater because I went to a Shakespeare camp. Okay. See, see earlier comment about yeah. being a huge nerd. You're in the um, right place. Don't worry. This is a safe <laughs> space for nerds. Um, there, there is Star Wars stuff. Yeah, all yet. over. Uh -huh. Like it's, it's like George Lucas was like, yes, this is this is the people I've been sell selling everything to. <laughs> he found his market. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. So I, uh, I went to this Shakespeare camp when I was like 15. Um, 
just because someone suggested it, 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 it I don't know. Um, and I went and I think it was one of the first times that I felt I had felt really happy um, for probably a couple of years. Yeah. And um, that had a really big influence on me. Um, it's where I met Elizabeth, who I ran a company with and is one of my best friends. Um, it's where I met a lot of people who I'm still friends with, which mm -hmm. is insane. Um, but I think that there were a lot of kids that were sort of attracted to that program that were trying to figure out how to have a voice for themselves. And they they happened to find that through Shakespeare yeah. um, and through performance. Um, and I did as well. So, yeah, I, basically... It did. It I think it did influence it because I really um, I feel very good when I'm directing. I feel like for the most part, yeah. I mean, every now and then I'm like, I just can you just remember the words? Please? Like, just, I can't like I can't deal with this. Um, this is literally your job. What are you doing? <laughs> or just like you know, sometimes dealing with producers or money uh -huh. budgets, blah, blah blah. The light fell down from the ceiling. It's you know, yeah, it can be stressful, but um. Generally, crafting stories and being able to um, uh, bring people together in a room, both in terms of my collaborators, but also an audience, um, is something that, that fulfills me in like a way that literally nothing else does. Um, and so I think that, uh, I think that the, um, the artistic aspect of my life is sort of what has kept um, everything else at bay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, that's good. And, it, it like, it is one of those things of, um, once you kind of figure it, just backtracking what decisions you make because of uh, what's going on with your dome piece, as I call it. Because <laughs> you look, I know I look back and go, oh, well, clearly this, okay, sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Um, but that's really, okay, um, what's really interesting about it is the, the desire of, like, and the, um, propensity for a heightened language with you why do you think that is about yourself or is it because it sounds pretty it's not just because it sounds pretty although it does mm -hmm. um i mean i think that it i think that um it makes it does make sense i've never really connected this before but um it does make sense that i love it so much because you know as like someone who is a young person who is um who is depressed mm -hmm. um poetry and language have the ability to express things that you don't have the emotional maturity to understand yep. um and so for me it was a way of feeling known and seen um and you know i could th this will sound dramatic and i do not care but um uh you know i saw a production of king lear yeah. where uh he does the um uh the how the howl speech after cordelia dies and i was like oh okay great like the the feeling that i'm feeling of mm -hmm. sort of like the the pain and the um the weight that i'm feeling is something yeah. that is not um it's not unique and that that made me feel a lot better. Yeah. And so I think that I'm, I'm attracted to heightened language and to poetry and it's not just Shakespeare. There's other, you know, obviously other really amazing artists who do it as well. But, um, it, it, it just feels right to say, and yeah. it feels like it's expressing something that I could never express on my own. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, is kind of the reason you should do acting or, like, use other people's words. Because if you can't fit, come up with the words yourself, mm -hmm. steal them. 
Um, uh-huh. Great artist steal. Yep. Um, I, I felt the same way when I was about 16 and I discovered Hamlet for the first time. Because mm-hmm. it is like I was a stompy, hyperactive, um, manic-depressive teenager. So, like, you're stomping around. And, like, oh, there are some themes that correlate. <laughs> you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Uh, uh, wait a minute. He's having all these really great ideas and talking a lot. <laughs> I'm just saying. And so, yeah, I totally understand that. And it it is also this thing of, like, what is wonderful about poetry. It is, like, something that is connected deeper and you can't express it any other way Mm -hmm. and that's when you should write poetry and do you write poetry I do I um so I stopped for a really long time Uh because all my poems were bad and but that's part of it yeah that's Um, that's part of everyone who's a poet it absolutely is um but then I uh in the last couple of months um I I was like I, I don't I don't know how it started but um uh, I had been recently reading uh, Worson Shire and Ruby Cower, who are both really, really incredible um, poets that I love, and and their work is very based in sort of like lifting, lifting up of uh, struggle, but also lifting up of um, what makes women strong. Yeah, and that was exciting to me, and it sort of like planted a little thing in my brain. Um, and then I was on the subway to an event. Um, uh, for uh black domestic workers in the in um new york because i used to i worked for the national domestic workers alliance for two years um and i just started coming up with short poems and um they were not bad Mm -hmm. and that was very exciting and um i ended up writing 92 in the course of two weeks um and i have since edited them and i've sent them to sort of like my inner circle but also to a couple people who don't know me super well yeah and i've gotten like they they know me but like you know they know of you they they know that i exist and that i am a director there has been rumor of this woman named (laughs) julia i hear that her hair is now purple Mm -hmm. um and that's the name of the first poem, right? Yeah, I hear that her hair is now purple. purple. <laughs> uh, that would actually, I could write that. I could yep, that do work. it. Um, so yeah, I uh, and I got really, really lovely responses from people because I just feel like I was touching on something that was a little bit um, uh, a combination of some universal things, but also um, you know other young women who were like, I know exactly what that feeling is. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you put it like that, and. Um, yeah, and, and sort of not being um, self-flagellating about it and, and being really open about, like, I wrote this, and I'm actually really proud of it, and I... There's another phone call? This is my mom again. <laughs> Do you want to text her, tell her you're busy? Yes. That's fine. Don't worry about I'm gonna it. I'll, her, tell her I'm busy. I'll either keep this in because I think it's funny, or I'll cut it out because it's boring. Either um, way. Yep. Sorry, Mom. She's not. She's never going to hear this. Um. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) Fuck. Fuck. I'm pretty sure she's heard me say that word before. Yeah. I know Um, my mom has. I talked to her on the phone today, and (laughs) it's like, um, now. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So I've, I, it was nice. It was cleansing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, maybe I'll write a hundred, and, and, but I'm, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this one thing. Yep. And I'm going to do something with it. I don't know why yet, but I'm going to do something with it. I, I get that. And I think there's this uh, tendency, specifically for younger artists, to try and push and push and push and push and force things to be something they're not. Yeah. And I... And 
I, that's also pervasive throughout the industry of like we keep turning books into movies. Can't we just let a book be a book? And it's meant to be a book, <laughs> uh-huh. and that's fine. Douglas Adams talks a lot about like when you first come up with idea, the first thought you should be okay. What is this? Mm-hmm. Is this a joke? Is this a book? Is this a blah 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 blah? Mm-hmm. And I think that's good and healthy that you're like, oh no, this is a parenthetical, and then we're gonna take this piece mm-hmm. and we're gonna put it here, and then we're gonna if I want to write more, it'll be over there. Mm-hmm. I think that's very healthy. Um, and, and good. So, you you made mention of like being hospitalized or having hospital records at least. Um, what have you gone through therapy, and if so, what techniques do you have to calm down the anxiety and so forth? Yeah. So, because um, this is, I've been a uh, yeah, yeah. I've I've been um, like I said, dealing with this for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so there have been many instances in which I've had to have uh emergency and extreme treatment mm-hmm. uh, to deal with the effects of my previous coping mechanisms. Yes. Um, however, um, now, so I've, I've been back in therapy for almost a year now. Oh, that's not right. It's like nine months. I don't know. Um, a while. Yeah. Um, and it's been great. Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually am trying this new technique that my therapist teaches, which is called tapping. Okay. It's, like emotional, it's emotional training, emotional, I can't remember. It's EFT. I don't know what it stands for. Um, but essentially what it is is that you tap on different, like, energy points in your body, like, as you talk about something either, like, traumatic or stressful or as you talk through a problem. Uh-huh. Um, and it sounds really woo-woo. And, like, I am not very woo-woo. Like, I'm, a, I'm not... pretty... yeah. I'm like, show me the proof, but yeah. um, it actually works. I'm laughing at the term woo-woo, not at the <laughs> concept. Um, but yeah. It's a very descriptive term. Um, woo-woo. Woo-woo. Um, yeah, so it, it works for me. Yeah. Um, it's basically a way of dealing with trauma and pain and anxiety that mm-hmm. is, is refocusing um energy and channels in your body that uh, maybe have been blocked up or have been um, sort of traumatized Mm -hmm. to not be connected to one another. Um, And so between that and um, I'm going to say meditation, even though it's the fucking worst. It is. It's the worst. Um, I hate, love it because I I don't like it. Like I, I don't, it makes me uncomfortable and, and, um, jittery, but I do find that it is useful (laughs) and the more I do it, the easier it is. Um, it's like eating peas, like eating peas. I've always liked peas. So like that's, that was an easy one for me. Okay. Fine. (laughs) Cauliflower. I like cauliflower too. Well, fine. How about, um, drinking water? Okay. (laughs) That's a real, that's a hard one for me. Okay. Um, yeah. I get it. Bourbon is amazing. I understand. Yeah. It's, it's super good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, those are some of the things that I do and then talk therapy and then, um, and I'm on medication now currently, right on. um, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, man, I had a thing. This is, this is a common theme throughout all these interviews. There's always a pause. <laughs> I make some sort of weird noise, like I whistle, or I go, and then Is eventually... it annoying editing these and hearing your own voice? Um, no, actually. I'm, oh, that's good. Yeah, it's this weird thing of, like, I have just enough disassociation where I'm like, oh, I'm listening to a podcast. <laughs> like, and it's the same thing, like, I'm the worst judge of, like, how well I'm doing as an actor as well, because I'm like, 
well, I just did it. I believe it because it's me. Like, I know I was okay. And then also at a certain point, I'm like, I'm just watching a movie. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, hmm. Sometimes disassociating can be useful. Yeah, it's a good It's a good tool. When you're just like, oh, well, yeah, that made this thing. It's fine. And then I'm editing it. Um, uh, oh, right, 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 right. Because um, the anxiety thing, I find with people with anxiety, they have that little voice in their head that's like, okay, what can I consume to shut myself up inside? Do you ever deal with it that way? Like with uh, smoking, drinking, boozing? Okay. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I definitely. The face you make face was amazing. You're like, yeah, duh. What do you think? Like, That's, come what... on, man. That's yeah. like, I'm, I'm in New York. <laughs> Thank you. I'm in the arts in New York. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that self medicating is like one of the, uh, at least in my experience, it's been one of the most dangerous things about um, my mental illness. Um, because also, if you don't know what's going on, yeah. if you are not like, this is anxiety, I recognize that I am feeling anxiety, and I'm going to do the five things that my therapist tells me to do, and then if that doesn't work, I'm going to drink a glass of wine. <laughs> um, but usually, one of the five things usually helps, so yeah. that's good. Um, but if you don't know what's going on, and you're just, you're you're feeling like you're dying, mm -hmm. and that, like, the... the um, you know, time is passing in a way that you have no control over and that uh, the world is on fire. Um, it's, it's very easy to a not talk to anyone about that because, uh, no one likes it, likes a negative Nancy. No. Um, but also it's easy to be like, if you're a young person and the culture that you live in is the culture of smoking and drinking and partying and, mm -hmm. you know, and fucking and whatever, my mom really can't hear this. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, then, that's something that you can turn to, and um, if you have anxiety, if you have depression, like, the, the line of access for that, I think, is a lot easier to reach, mm -hmm. um, because you're trying to feel better. Yeah. And that's something that I've been learning a lot about in this most recent bout of therapy, is, like, not, not feeling guilty about, like, the actions that you take that you do to make yourself feel better. Like, recognizing, it's a weird, complicated concept, but, like, recognizing, like, wow, I was upset, and so I had tequila, yeah. um, and then I had a hangover, and then I threw out my breakfast, and I was late to work. Instead of being like, God, I'm a garbage person. Yeah. I can't believe that I did that. That was so dumb. Yep. So irresponsible. I can't, like, I can't believe I can't deal with my problems in a normal way. So saying that, being like, well, I felt really shitty yeah. for these reasons. <laughs> Absolutely. And in that moment, that's the thing that I thought would make me feel better, and so I did it, and that's okay. Yeah. And I know that, like, long long term, it did not make me feel better, so next time I will not do that. But even if I do, it's kind of, it's okay, because I it's a really, really ingrained pattern that you yep. have to try to get out of. Yeah, and, and it's... Yeah, uh, it, it's the thing as well, like, the, the most useful thing that I've found from um, all the cognitive behavior therapy that I've done, mm -hmm. which is my bread and butter, um, is, uh, the idea of not judging what you're thinking. Yeah. Because, like, I've had horrible things that come through my mind. I'm like, am I just, I do, am, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. And then you realize... Am I the dumpster fire? Yeah, am I the dumpster fire? <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. And it is the thing of like, no, you just have intrusive thought syndrome where you can't stop thinking about, oh, I could kill that child. <laughs> and you're just like, ah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, and it is the thing of not judging and just kind of going past and going, okay, maybe next time, Chief, you'll get it better. And you'll, now that you're just trying to learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've been sober for about five months now. Um, I'm not. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm I'm thinking about making homemade chits because I'm not like through a program or anything. <laughs> just, like with construction paper, just you did good. Good uh, job. Some guy comes. In, What's with all the homemade pogs? It's a long story. Anyway, like, don't worry about it. I'm yep. in recovery. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but um, so that that idea of um, oh, man, I had a, th- a thought. Uh, but um. The idea of, like, having to choose to do it every day, of, like, not not choosing to cope with it that way, and then also, like, um... Because it is... I, there's this voice in my head, and I say this as part of my stand-up as well, because I do stand-up, mm-hmm. um, is, uh... There's this voice in my head, it's like, how else are you going to learn if not from your mistakes? Try cocaine. Those people have interesting lives, like... <laughs> What else, how else are you going to learn? You can't learn unless you fuck up. And it's like, there's got to be another way. And I feel like it's watching other people screw up. And then uh-huh. just going, not that. No like, thanks. I'm not pass. Yep. I don't need to do that one. Okay, so the dumpster, it, now it's a dumpster fire now. It's expanding. It's, wow. it's gotten bigger. The lighter fluid on the dumpster fire makes the dumpster fire bigger. I will not use lighter fluid mm-hmm. today. Someone get me some marshmallows, please. <laughs> Yeah, make it something positive. Yeah, Here's absolutely. Some more. Yep. Some more what? Ha. 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 Stand up. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> well, that made me feel shitty. I regret inviting you over here. Well, I can leave. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, I mean, I think it's, um, I think it's, uh, interesting to learn at it's not, you know, I, like, I'm not that old, but, like, it's yeah. interesting to learn late in life that there are actually other ways of feeling better and, like, start the, I think the biggest breakthrough that I've had in therapy ever mm-hmm. was when, because um, my, my therapist annoyingly focuses on positivity and I really hate it, but it's super good for me. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, she has this whole thing of, like, it might not actually take as long or be as hard as you think. Mm-hmm. Um, to feel better. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, but you don't hear the five voices in my head exactly. going, die, die, die. You're like, this is the worst. Just time. cut off a toe. Why not? <laughs> you don't need 10. You'll get sympathy then. Come on, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, it's, um, it, it was a really big breakthrough when like, not even when I, because I, I do actually mostly believe that now, but um, mm-hmm. like the first time that I had the thought, I was like, maybe she's right. And then I instantly, my brain instantly was like, no, <laughs> she cannot be right. It's just like, I have no idea. I think I got a tattoo or something, but like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's shit like that. Like that, um, there, there is actually a way to be happy. Yeah. Even when you, uh, struggle with something in your brain that, um, makes it harder. Yeah. Um, and that is really cool, I think. And like, really really fucking hard but also like you know i i it's been nine ish months that i've been back in therapy and like my life and my attitude and the tools that i have are so drastically different um that it does kind of make me believe that like oh maybe like yeah if i just keep going and keep trying real hard and like talking about it yep then uh i won't die in a dumpster fire yep absolutely (laughs) my own emotions 
Um, my friend Philip Lowe, he says that uh, the idea of someone asks him what is happiness on a podcast is like, oh, well, fuck. And he goes, well, I think happiness is change. Mm. And I think that concept is beautiful because it is this thing as well, like, even if you're looking at it from a practical standpoint of, like, trying to be happy through therapy and stuff like that, it's, um, you constantly have to change your tactics with yourself because humans are really clever and they're <laughs> adapt, they'll evolve with, with what you're doing. And Absolutely. That's, that's why I think a lot of, like, the way, you know, self-medicating works, it starts with alcohol and then it just drifts because it's, you get a tolerance and you get a tolerance for self, positive self-talk, which I call internal bragging. <laughs> but it's healthy. I love that. I'm going to start saying that. Good. I'm glad. Um, but yeah, you start adapting and you're like, well, you say, because another bit is there's three voices in my head. There's one that says I fucked up. There's one that says, no, you're just anxious. And the third one says, but what if it's true this time? <laughs> <laughs> it is the thing of like, there's that third, and uh -huh. pretty soon there's gonna be fourth and a fifth going uh -huh. on and on and on and on and on. This is the time that it's gonna happen. Yeah, this yeah. is the time I truly have have irrevocably damaged a relationship that I only moderately care about because <laughs> they're just a coworker. They but will not text me back because I am the worst mm -hmm. human that has ever lived. Mm -hmm. Why did I put myself out there by saying, "Hey, how are you?" Yeah. Oh god. Right. It's the yeah. Texting, That's, texting oh. is like the thing. I swear to God, whoever invented texting was like, "Hey, people with anxiety, fuck I, you." Yep, like, yep. <laughs> That's 100% yeah. why it exists. It's just that it, the person was just incredibly calm. They had no concept of being anxious. No con like, oh. <laughs> I think it was like, I, I feel like I'm really bad at texting because I will use it like a messaging system. I'll be like, this is information. Good. Uh -huh. And it's like, I might as well be like, stop. <laughs> uh, that sort of thing. Because I'm like, I'll text you until you can call me and we can have a decent conversation. You can come over. But like, and people don't know how to respond to that well and that makes me even more anxious yeah and there's these specifically in new york you have to kind of go well everyone's on the train so you go it's like <laughs> this person hasn't texted me back oh they're probably they're on the, the train. train unless they leave their uh red receipts on their phone where like you, yes. see, you can see if they've read the message yeah and then when they don't respond mm -hmm. it's like that my <laughs> one of my really close friends in New York um, has hers on, yeah, and uh, you know she like works a million hours and she always eventually gets back to me yeah. and she's never mad. Yeah, but as soon as yep. she as soon as I see that she's read something and hasn't responded, I I go into like a whirlpool. <laughs> like, what does our friendship even mean? <laughs> does she not love me anymore? I'm kind of the I'm the, actually the opposite because I feel like <laughs> if it's just out, I'm like I don't know if they got it. Oh, God, what if they don't get this information and it's important? Whereas if they go red, I'm like, okay, it's not balls in their court. It's not my problem. It's not my fucking problem. Yeah, I don't need to worry about this, but I will. Um, That's funny. Yeah. Um, this kind of weird question. Uh, how, how supportive are your parents about all this? Do they know about it? How, like, I mean, obviously, I feel like they have to be because, you know. I mean, people's parents don't have to be. Well, that's fair. Uh, so my, my parents... Uh, are supportive, which is wonderful. Yeah. Um, because this is something that I've been dealing with for a really long time. Um, there have been times in which uh, I was not being as open with them about what I was struggling with. Um, however, in this last like adult wave of like a really bad downswing, yeah. um, essentially through the therapy that I've been doing, 
like my therapist is like you don't have to talk to your parents if you don't want to like yeah. she's, she's great she's not like you need to confront your issues <laughs> she's like tell them don't tell them whatever yeah and I'm like okay and um uh but basically like they they asked about it because yeah. they knew it, they knew I was going back into therapy and mm-hmm. they asked about it recently um and um and I was like you know what what if I just like tell the truth Mm-hmm. And so I tried that, yeah. and it uh, it went pretty well. Good. Um, you know, they were like, "What medication are you on? Like, what is it? What is?" Well, this is the other thing too. So, like, my parents are from a generation that like didn't really understand depression mm-hmm. and anxiety, um, and they get it now. But when I was first diagnosed, I think it was like a really big deal yeah. and now it's it's less of a big deal like obviously they want me to be happy but um I think because I'm more open with them about it um they're they have faith that like I'm getting the treatment that I need to but yeah. um I'm very I've always been really independent in my decision making and sort of like in my in my self-care mm-hmm. um so they are they are super supportive to the extent that that I allow them to be and that uh, recently has been more, and that's great because like it was that was super not yeah. the case in, in the past. So that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I did find like um once I found a therapist here in the city for a little bit. Um, damn you, insurance! It's changed, so I can't go. It's don't even. I can't. Yeah. yeah. I can't. Um, but it was one of those wonderful <laughs> things of like I stopped complaining to and stopped venting to Miles, my roommate, my best friend, that you have seen proximity mm-hmm. what he's kind of like but anyway um and like my sister and stuff I started stopped like venting all the time and I was like oh well this is healthy <laughs> like now it's not everyone else's problem it's my problem uh-huh. that I'm dealing with um which is nice with a professional who can like identify things and push mm-hmm. you on things and back off of things and yeah. also just tell you that sometimes the th- the thing that you think is the absolute truth is actually just something you believe really deeply based on experience. Yep. Uh, which is also really big learning that I think I've come to recently, like super recently. Yeah. Um, because I'm smart and capable and have experienced a lot of things. And so like, I sort of see the world in a certain way. Yeah. Um, which is not always positive Mm -hmm. and there are truths and and things that I believe about myself or have believed about myself and about other people um that are toxic and negative um and I'm learning how to recognize those as beliefs as as opposed to facts yeah um I think a really common one for people with depression is like I'm a shitty person yeah like I suck I deserve to be sad I deserve to be anxious I deserve whatever I'm getting because like I suck yeah that's the, the light version. Yeah. Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, as well, like, so does everyone. Like, that that was always my thought. I was like, oh, I suck. But everyone else does, too. So, <laughs> eh, you know. It is this unique brand, um, talking, like, just, like, unique brand of depression is with the, with the bipolarity and stuff. Because mm-hmm. it is, like, a, it's weirder and it's a lot of the times deeper and um, not... I hate when I say things like that because then people are like, oh yeah, you're bragging about how you feel about it. I'm like, no, it's bad because like it's I'll drop a piece of toast and cry. That's yeah. bad. That's yeah. not healthy. It's not, it's not a good day. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and that's my life, so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this weird, unique brand of kind of egotism with the depression as well. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah, I actually know a bit about, um, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was misdiagnosed with bipolar. Oh, that's I exciting. I know. It's a tin- like, let's make it more. I had the opposite problem. Can you- oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was misdiagnosed by a really shitty doctor uh, uh-huh. in high school. Um, yeah. Okay, that's the whole thing. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was, it was shitty. I got put on yep. medication for it, which yep. I didn't need, so it completely yeah. fucked up my shit um, and knocked me out, and I, like, couldn't get up in the morning it was really it was really bad and and thankfully my my mom actually uh is the person who was like we gotta yeah we gotta stop this like this is not i don't i don't care if you think this is the right medicine it's not she can't do anything like yeah and i'm like a very very um proactive person and Uh so like me not getting out of bed in the morning was like a big sign for her sure Um, so yeah being misdiagnosed sucks yeah it does um it was really frustrating because I was in Minnesota and uh, I went to a psychiatrist and I got diagnosed with anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. which is generally what they get when you when you have bipolar. They're like, we're going to go with this one first yeah. and hope it's this because this other thing is more difficult. A lot harder yeah. to manage, yeah. And then she prescribed me a medication and I've never been closer to killing myself. And so it was one of those things of like, well, this clearly isn't right. And I was so indignant that I didn't go back mm-hmm. to the doctor because it is one of those things of like, I told her as well, like my family has a history of this. Mm-hmm. I clearly have this. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things of like, you, you kind of forget that therapists and psychiatrists are doctors nonetheless, and doctors tend to be arrogant because they've gone <laughs> to a lot of schooling and like they they don't they don't have the right to be arrogant, but I understand why they do. Yeah. But it is also this thing of like specifically I think people who have mental disabilities have are aware are so self aware that when they come in you should listen to everything they say. Yeah. And specifically it's like I have enough O C D where I'm like I researched the fuck out of this. Yeah. And I was like evidence and she was like mm-hmm. Meh. and it was very very frustrating that that's why i love my therapist right now because um she's like really not into labels yeah <laughs> it, she's not a witch doctor i okay. promise she's a real okay. therapist that's okay um whatever like here's the other thing she could be whatever fucking works right if it helps it fucking helps yeah. like that's, it that's the best that anyone can ask for yeah um yeah uh so she's she's like really she's very resistant to labels and i really appreciate that about her because mm-hmm. because of uh the um history of mis- being misdiagnosed and yeah um when that happened actually when i went on medication the first time and part of the reason i didn't go back on it for a really really long time is because essentially i spent 13 months being switched my meds being switched oh every god month. and this is when i was about 17 oh no and so i wasn't in control of it because uh-huh. i was a minor um and it was a combination of like shitty doctors and like and also because i wasn't communicating really with my my parents who were trying to help and you know were trying to help fix something yeah. that they didn't understand and didn't uh-huh. know was going on. Um, so that was just like a really, there are a lot of labels that were put on me and there are a lot of, um, a lot of different, uh, you know, kind of crap shoot, like yeah. try this one, try this <laughs> one. Um, cause actually when I, uh, when I, when I initially went on medication, I didn't have anxiety. Uh-huh. Uh, my anxiety is a result of this experience with being over medicated and, and switching the medication uh-huh. so frequently. Um, so thanks doctors. Um, <laughs> so I have a really serious like distrust of doctors and it's, it's I would have reconciled. Yeah. And so 
I really resisted going back into therapy, and thank God I did because mm-hmm. like it was not looking good. But um, <laughs> but I it. it permeates to things like when I go and get like my birth control or like when I go uh you know I rarely go to the doctor for things that are like you're super sick go to the doctor like your foot's broken go to the doctor your hand's broken go to the doctor I like don't do it and then when I do it I just like instantly start crying Uh but I've started this is actually a really helpful technique I've started when I go in being like Hello, my name is Julia. It's nice to meet you. I'm very uncomfortable right now. (laughs) This makes me uncomfortable, and I want you to know that. And they're like, okay. And then then they're just, like, a lot more communicative and, like... Get the one with the good bedside manner. Yeah, exactly. They're like... uh, Where's Patch? Where's Patch? Bring in the red nose. Please. Like, uh, you know, like, I went to Planned Parenthood to get, like, my annual exam and... Uh, I like told, I did the thing. I said, hello, my name is Julia. I'm very uncomfortable right now. Uh, and she was like, okay, you want me to put some music on? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, sure. So she like played her iPod while we like went through the exam. Um, and it was great. I was like, thank you. That's awesome. Excellent. Great. So ask for what you need. Mm-hmm. That's important. This is a, a, a kind of a shitty question because I, because if that's all perception, um, I have no idea what it's like to be a woman and then also mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you please speak to that a bit? Sure. Um, it's terrible. <laughs> I would imagine um, that's just a. That's a no. It's a good question because yeah. I think that it is. Well. Because it's got to be different a lot. I think that, I think that. Um, the way that women and men are treated in our society is so vastly different that you could have the same symptoms, the same illness, the same um, struggles and be met with different attitudes. I yeah. imagine that one of the hardest things about being a man who's mentally ill is that it's, it's uh, stigmatized to even talk about normal nor, quote unquote normal emotions yeah. right so it's like if you're feeling heightened emotions and and depressive emotions then I imagine that that's got to be really fucking difficult yeah, to is. bring to people especially if you're young and like a teenage boy having to yep. go to their friends and be like oh, I'm depressed like yeah. I can't even imagine how hard that would be <laughs> um I think that part of what is really difficult at least for me and being a woman uh with a mental illness is just that um uh, sometimes the things that are a result of of uh, my brain mm-hmm. are taken as a result of my gender instead, yeah. um, and that is shitty. Yeah. Um, and I think that it also, like, for me, the biggest thing that it really impacts is, like, uh, in terms of being a woman is, like, my relationship with, like, dating and with sex, which is part of what I wrote about in um, in the article that you read. Mm-hmm. Um because there are things that like I like I'm I'm on my own journey and like I'm in my own process of of um, trying to be in positive relationships, yeah. um, but uh, I have a history of mostly negative relationships, yeah. not all of them, but most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's sort of like an expectation around like you should be dating, you should be you should be dealing with this in a certain way if you're single in New York and you're young and beautiful and and successful then you should be doing x y and z and I'm like I'm not gonna do that though Mm -hmm. because like I'm I got other shit going on like there's stuff in my brain that I still need to work through yeah there are things in my in my experience that I still need to work through and I think that that is sort of like a little bit of I think that's hard to understand for some people because um it's sort of like 
everything being centered around like love and sex and relationships outside of yourself and I'm like I'm just trying to like me like I'm trying to have a relationship with myself yeah because like I have to keep washing this stupid body till I die so like I might as well (laughs) like it um so yeah yeah so um I think that that's a really big part of it and and I think that also like there is the the trope of like the crazy girl oh yeah um yeah, which yeah. Uh, which is shitty because um, everyone's a little bit nutso. Yeah, and some of us have mental illnesses, yeah. so it is not nice to call people crazy. No, it isn't. Um, but also, I think that um, it, because because of uh, who I am as a person, I'm a very intense person, and so um, that can come across in a way as yeah. like, the, whatever. It's just it. I think that the the perception of me as a woman gets all tied up with with my identity as a person with mental illness and yeah. in a way that is like not super fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then of course there is just the, the, the larger issue, which is the, uh, which I know that all people with mental illness face, um, which is like not being believed that it's like a real thing. Oh yeah. Um, and then women are often not believed that, that things so. are real things yeah. anyway. Yep. And so if you put those two things together where it's like, I need, you know, I need, I, I haven't had this experience in a long time, but like, I would, I would not feel comfortable going to work and being like, or calling into work and saying, I need a sick day. Yeah. Um, and if they were like, what's wrong? I'd be like, Oh, stomach flu. Yeah. But like, it's like, no, I'm in a depressive downswing and I can't fucking get out of bed Yeah. and I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. And like, if I, and I can't, I can't come like, this yep. is, I can't, I can't do it's it. It's like, I have a physical illness. I cannot be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that would be really a really yeah. hard conversation to have. Um, yeah. So the sort of like standard around what's real and what's believable. Yeah. And um, this sort of like the stigma that you should be keeping all of your like that a, a successful woman sort of keeps all their shit inside. Yeah. Like that it's you must be. There's a great moment in the. The Simpsons movie where Lisa's like hitting Homer, going, "You monster, you monster, Lisa, you we gotta go." But he's so evil. But you're a woman; you can hold on to it forever. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, uh, no, that's not good. Like, let's you the, shouldn't have to hold on to it no, forever. No, um, that should go. Yeah, it's hard though when mm. you are expected to just sort of like composure. Take it. Yeah, the composure thing is. Um, it's fucked up. I yeah. think that fucks up people's brains. I think a lot, like, I think there's a certain level of expectation of composure on both genders, but yeah. in different ways, in severely different ways, and both of which are not good. Yeah, Because it's like, no. Uh, <laughs> like, going back to the, the there's the, the, the reason I think that um, men were expected to go to the armed service more is mm-hmm. because they have a well, you don't feel as much, so you can just kill someone, and you're right. like, oh, I've done that thing. Whereas yeah. I thought about going to the army as a kid because every boy does, and I was like, no, because <laughs> like, I had to like imagine killing someone. I'm like, nope, can't do it. Nope, I can't even go hunting. Like, <laughs> but also speaking a bit about. And I think I've said this too many times on this program, but um, speaking a bit about like just learning to love yourself is um, the biggest advice that I've found helpful for that. Is like if you treat yourself like you are in a relationship with yourself, yeah, it is wonderful because then you're like, oh, I'm going to be kind, considerate, and courteous to me mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's a weird concept. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's super weird. I like to, I, I say it to my friends a lot, and I say it to myself a lot, where it's like, treat treat yourself like you treat your best friend. Because, mm-hmm. like, not going to lie, I probably treat my best friends better than I've ever <laughs> treated anyone in a relationship. That's fair. Um, but, yeah, it, it does, it does, uh, it does really help. It's, yeah. it's hard to learn how to do, but, um, especially because I, something that I discovered is, um, that I don't know how to relax, yeah, which is sometimes a really good quality because it means I work all the time. Yep. So I'm very diligent in the work that I do, and I get a lot of shit done because I'm like, oh, I, I need to do something right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've learned that... Um, you know, I don't really have go to like, oh, take a bath with some candles yeah. or like, oh, read a book. It's like, if I'm not feeling good and I read a book, I'm just going to, it's not going to help. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out what works for me mm-hmm. to sort of turn those things off. And like a lot of it has just been like exerting energy yeah. and like changing my environment and like doing something, uh, doing something with my hands. So like mm-hmm. painting or, um, or like handwriting something is all really helpful. But yeah, like I didn't know that that was a skill I didn't have <laughs> until super recently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I remember uh, my girlfriend at the time, um, I thought she was going to move out here. It turned out she, it didn't work out, but she gave me that news and like, like, oh, and then I felt relaxed for the first time in months. And I was wow. like, oh, is this what happy feels like? Because it is like, <laughs> it's like I feel joy, but I don't feel it calmly. I'm not, And so when I'm, when I'm happiest is when I'm just like, oh, this is, this is nice. And there have been like little pockets of those. And I'm like, I wish I could feel that all the time. Yeah. I had the same experience, um, sometime in, you know, the last few months where like I felt happy mm-hmm. and I was like, uh, like, <laughs> I, and then I instantly <laughs> felt a lot of different emotions yeah. because I felt really happy, and then I was like, oh my god, this is such an unfamiliar feeling, uh-huh. and then I got really sort of, like, sad for for, for you, Julia, <laughs> and, like, for younger Julia, because cause it was, like, something that I really just didn't, yeah, hadn't felt um, before, um, particularly on my own. Like, other yeah. people make me happy very often. Um, I have wonderful people in my life, mm-hmm. um, and have for a decade, Um and I guess before I just don't like remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that accident where yeah, you know, super, on the head. super, yeah. super strange. Um, yeah, but uh, I was like by myself doing something, and yeah. and I was like I'm happy, and then I was like, ah! oh yeah, <laughs> like, oh, oh, go away from the mic. Ah! It's the best feeling though. Like um, it's pretty great. Yeah, Miles was away for a week, and so I just I got to have this whole apartment to myself. I was Thanks. like. Oh, now I'm drawing, now I'm writing, and I'm just like, tick, 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 tick. And I know that's really rare, I've found, specifically for artists to be happy by themselves, though. Yeah, it's weird. And I am glad that I have that ability and know I have that ability. There are other times where I'm like, there's too many, there's too much going on, I need to get out of myself right now. But, like, to know that I can, just, because that's the goal. Right. Because it is, the, there's this... Going, speaking a bit about the relationship thing, there's this really dumb idea of like, oh, well, I found my other half. It's like, no, well, then you're not a full person, yeah. and then you gotta go figure that out. Uh-huh. And um, during the breakup of the aforementioned girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, it was, uh, I kept saying, I think it's a relationship should be two people standing next to each other, mm-hmm. not like a weird tree that's grown into each other. Mm-hmm. And we've done that, and now we have to separate ourselves, and we can't function. So mm-hmm. it's fine. 
Yeah, it's weird growing up and having breakups be more amicable. Mm, you know, you're mm-hmm. like, you're both kind of like, well, this isn't working, so are we good? Yeah, we're good. Cool, yeah. yeah. I can just go, right? Yeah, now. yeah. Like, cool. And that's so <laughs> weird. Yeah. Because, like, I remember as a teenager, like, I only had the one girlfriend, so when we did break up, it was just the worst thing I'd ever gone through. Uh-huh. And, like, I thought I was going to die, and I thought people were, like, it was, like, that level of stuff. And I'm like, that sounds exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I, I have to work tomorrow. I yeah. can't be upset. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's interesting. I uh, something that I realize that I do, and I I don't do it as much anymore. But um, I've had a lot of amicable sort of like, no, like yeah. this, <laughs> this is this is not this is not working. And like at different funny. levels of things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I realized like the the most recent one that was like very it was very respectful and sort of just like. I felt this person was, like, pulling away from me, and so I was like, let's talk about this. Yeah. And then we just sort of, like, came to an agreement where it was like, yeah, we should not be dating anymore. Okay. Okay. And then he, like, left, and uh, I was like, okay, I feel fine. And then the next day I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sad I'm not dating this person that I didn't want to date anymore. Because it's like, I like, your brain tricks itself into being like, I have to be upset about this because it's something I'm supposed to be upset about. But really, it's like, I don't care. Like, I... Yeah, I made that decision. Like I made mm-hmm. that choice, and you know, it's not like the um, like a life partner. It's just like a person, and yep. just sort of like taking appreciating people for what they are in your life for the time that they're in your life. Yeah, no matter how long or short that is, I think is something that is really healthy, and I am definitely working on still. Yeah, for um, sure. But like not living in the past and not living in the future, but just sort of taking things. Um, and not just not taking things for granted when you're mm-hmm. when you're there. Yeah. With the people. Absolutely. It's mad hard though. <laughs> yeah, it is. I kinda lucked out and as much as if I've had a voice since I was like eight in my head going, You're dying, you're dying, you're dying, you're dying, you're dying. So when you kinda have that like it's this weird anxiety is this kind of duplicitous thing of like on the one hand you have that and so you're anxious about oh god what am I gonna do with my life do I have a legacy I imagine that so much it feels more like a memory um and that's <laughs> two that's two Hamiltons yep. yep and then on the other hand it makes you really really grateful for the moments you do have every like oh I can breathe and like I had a near-death experience before I moved here and that like changed my whole perspective of well which is like oh well this is kind of nice mm-hmm. even when I feel terrible about myself I'm like well I'm not staring death in the face, so this is good. So that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel you on that one. <laughs> I think we're good. You good? I'm good. Okay. Great. Well, thank you very much for doing this. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me to yeah. do it. You need to let me know when you're doing stuff, please. Okay. Okay. I can do that. Um, yeah, for sure. This is fun. <laughs>